Amen. 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 All right, let's go ahead and get started. So last week, Pastor Nitra talked about the power of a made up mind. So if you missed that, you definitely want to go back and watch the video from last week. So one of the things that she said was so powerful that a non-decision really is a decision. So when we don't make up our mind, we really are making up our mind, except we're taking the power away from ourselves to make that decision. So, um, and every decision literally guides our lives. And so I really love that teaching last week. So definitely go back and watch it. Now, I believe that God is really talking to us about making up our minds and this is not accidental. So really my plan tonight was to teach something that I had already taught somewhere else because, you know, I'd already taught it before. And as I was looking through those notes, I just didn't have the peace about it. And so I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to, what, what do you want me to talk about? And uh, he said the anatomy of a made up mind. So I was like, okay. So first of all, I have this aversion to anatomy. Um, I'm not a life sciences type of girl, like anatomy and physiology. I don't like none of that biology, none of that stuff. And so I was like, why? I don't even like anatomy. Like, ugh, I don't, why? And so as he started walking me through it, I was like, okay, okay, I got you, I got you. Well, then last Wednesday, when Pastor Nietzsche uh, teaches about the power of a made-up mind, I was like, oh, God, surely I heard you wrong. Because there's no way on your whole green earth that you have her talking about something, that you want me to talk about something. No, 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 no. Um, but I don't think I missed it. I don't think I missed it. And one of the beauties of attending Fellowship of Champions Church is, and I know y'all can fill in the blank for this, at this church, we don't despise repetitive teaching. So some of what you hear tonight may be what you've already heard last week. Some of what you hear will probably be what you've heard our pastors uh, teach about. Some of what you hear will be what you've heard Pastor uh, Chris uh, talk about during praise and worship. Some of what you hear will be things that we have prayed over this church, but do not despise repetitive teaching. So last week, Pastor Nietzsche talked about the power of a made up mind. She gave us the signs and symptoms of what happens when your mind isn't made up. And then she also gave us some biblical examples of people who had a made up mind. So I don't know if we're sensing the urgency that I believe that God is wanting us to really address us having a made up mind. And I believe that it is time for us as the body of Christ, as believers, to know who we are in God, to know who God is to us, to uh, make the decision that we're going to uh, radically obey him. And then for us to make the decision for something that our pastor said on Sunday, that we are obsessed with obeying God. So we talk about making up the mind all the time. And I know it's easy to make assumptions. Everybody has a made up mind. I mean, if you come to church on a Wednesday night, you have a made up mind. But we all know that may or may not be the case. So that's why we're here. Because when you're talking about making up your mind, you can't be a casual bystander. You cannot just let your mind do what it wants to do. Your thoughts do what they want to do. You can't just sit by and let life happen to you. We cannot be indifferent about the concept of making up our minds as believers. So tonight we're going to talk about the anatomy of a made up mind. So let's go ahead and level set here. Uh, so that we're all on the same page. Now, I already told y'all I don't like anatomy, but I want to define what anatomy means. Anatomy is the study of the structure and the internal workings of something. 
So we're talking about the study of the structure and the internal workings of a made up mind. So when we talk about the structure, that is what are the elements? What are the constituents? What are the basics? What is involved? What is the foundation of a made up mind? When we talk about their inner workings, what are the things that happen internally that are not easily recognized externally. And we're also gonna talk about some of the intricacies. What are some of the complexities of a made up mind? So I hope that that makes sense to everybody, okay? So now that we know what anatomy means, let's talk about what a made up mind is. Now, once again, I don't wanna make any assumptions. So I'm gonna give you two definitions. I came up with two I like both of them for different reasons. You pick which one you want or you ask Holy Spirit for your own definition of made up mind. So the first one is the resolute and unwavering commitment to align one's thoughts, decisions and actions with the principles and the will of God. Now, if you will notice that word resolute, we've been hearing that a whole lot. If you notice the word unwavering, we've been hearing that a whole lot. If you notice the word align, we have been hearing that a whole lot. So a made up mind is the resolute and unwavering commitment to align one's thoughts, decisions and actions with the principles and the will of God. So if you notice in this, this definition, nowhere did I say that a mind, made up mind is doing what you want to do. I did not say that a made up mind is living life how you want to live it. That's not in there. You have to be resolute and unwavering in your commitment and aligning your whole life, your thoughts, your actions, your words uh, with God's principles and his will. So um, in the words of Pastor Chris, let's do a quick self-check. Ask Holy Spirit. You don't have to tell us in the comments this between you and Holy Spirit. Ask Holy Spirit. Am I resolute? Am I determined? Am I unwavering? Am I steady? Am I consistent in my commitment to align my thoughts, my decisions, and my actions with the principles and will of God? And if your answer is anything other than yes, you don't have a made up mind. And once again, you don't have to share that with us. That's between you and Holy Spirit. So I know that one may be a little too long. Okay, so here's definition number two. A made up mind is a conscious decision to prioritize God's truth above the ever changing circumstances of life. So we make a conscious decision that it does not matter what is going on in me. It does not matter what's going on around me. I am going to prioritize God's truth. So once again, let's do another self-check. Ask Holy Spirit, have I made the decision that no matter what is going on in my life, that I will prioritize God's truth? And that's a yes or a no. Okay. And once again, when we ask these questions for reflection, this is not about condemning anybody, but it is for us to see where we are. Because if your mind is not made up, you know what you got to do? All you have to do is just make it up. Like, that's it. 
So it's not for us to sit here and say, oh, your mind isn't made up. No, this self-reflection is for you so that you can know what your next action steps are. Okay, so let's explore the structure of a made up mind, the elements, what every made up mind needs. And I think I have maybe five of them that I'm going to talk about tonight. Y'all, I have 11 pages of notes. We're not going through all of these, but I have about five of them that I want to talk about. First of all, a made up mind is built on conviction and commitment. It's built on conviction and commitment. A made up mind starts with a strong conviction and commitment to follow a particular course of action or a belief. Now, for the believer, the course of action is following what God has said. The belief is believing what God has said, not what you think. Not what others think, not what other people tell you. It involves you having that conviction and commitment to what God has said. Regardless of what it looks like, you have conviction and commitment to what God has said, no matter what. Now, the thing that really perplexes me about this is that some believers act like having conviction and commitment is a novel concept. And it's really not. Because the truth of the matter is, we operate out of our convictions and commitment all the time. And in fact, in my personal experiences, I had conviction and commitment before I even knew what they were. And I think that most of us could share that same testimony. So when I was four, five, I had this conviction, now I know it was the Holy Spirit, that I needed to be a pharmacist. Because what four or five-year-old kid, like you ask little kids what they want to be at four and five, they want to be astronauts. You know, I want to be an acrobat. I want to be, you know, all of this stuff. And I was like, I want to be a pharmacist. That was a conviction. And so I had a commitment to that. So I knew that I needed to be good in math and science. So all throughout elementary school, hey, I got to get good grades. I need to learn math and science. I got the junior high. I need to learn math and science. I get to high school. Now I have a different focus because I know I need to go to college. And so in order for me to go to college, um, I want to be able to go to college for free. So I need to make sure that I'm getting straight A's in all my classes. That was my conviction and my commitment. So when my other friends were talking on the phone and doing other stuff, I was somewhere studying because I had a conviction and a commitment. So then I go to college and I major in chemistry, which was hard. I take my first little chemistry test. No, it wasn't chemistry. I think the first test was pre-cal. I made a B. I ain't never made a B in my life. So I'm like, shoot, forget this. I'm changing my major. But I didn't change my major because I had a conviction and a commitment that I was supposed to be a pharmacist. I graduate from school. I'm tired of school because chemistry is hard. So I start another career that I absolutely loved and I was excelling and doing well in. But even then, I still had that conviction and that commitment that I was supposed to be doing something else. I get to pharmacy school. <sighs> it was hard. Some of the teachers were hard. Some of the teachers were mean. Some of just all kind of old stuff. But you know what? I had a conviction and a commitment that I was going to be a pharmacist. So do you see how we operate in convictions 
and commitment sometimes when we don't even fully understand what they are. And so here is the thing. In order to have a made up mind, you're going to have to have conviction and commitment about something. You do. You have to have conviction and commitment. So here is the problem. Some of us have convictions and commitments that just didn't come from the Lord. We just made some stuff up or we listened to stuff that the enemy said. So in our indecision to align with God, we actually made a decision to align with the enemy. Like Pastor Nietzsche said last week, if you don't make a decision, yeah, you really still are making a decision. It was just really was kind of made for you. So some of us by default have made up our mind that the life that we have is not going to get any better. Some of us have made up our minds that, you know what, I can't get a better job. I can't make more money. We are we have a conviction and a commitment to that, but that is not what God says because the principle of conviction and commitment works. You get to decide you're aligning with God or are you aligning with the enemy? So let's take a look at scripture. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And I encourage you to take these scriptures, read them in multiple translations. And I only put, you can tell I'm Baptist because I only put the A part up here, the first part of the scripture. That's why you need to read all of it. So let me give you some context. In this chapter, Joshua was calling out Israelites saying, y'all come here. The Lord got something he needs to say to y'all. So they all get up there, you know, and Joshua says, listen, the Lord says to remind y'all of all the ways that he's been faithful to y'all. He went back talking about how Abraham's daddy worshiped idols. He, re he brought to their remembrance the faithfulness of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He reminded them of how he brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He reminded them about how they got to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. He reminded them how he fed them in the wilderness. He reminded them that all of their enemies that came against them, that God defeated them. He reminded them all of that, of all of that. So Joshua then says, but listen, God is a jealous God. Now, what he won't do is share his glory with all these other, God, other gods. So in true fashion, the Israelites were like, oh, no, no, no. We serving God. We want to serve God. So Joshua was like, oh, I hear what y'all saying. But if you're really going to serve him, you got to get rid of all these other idols and these other practices from these pagans that you've been holding on to. So then he makes this, this declaration. Listen, if you are unwilling to obey the Lord, child, you better decide who you're going to obey. And then in the B part of that, he goes on to tell them, listen, if you want to keep these idols, keep them. You want to do all that stuff, do it. But as for me and mine, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I'm not Joshua, obviously. I'm Chandra. But I want to say this. If you don't see a benefit of making up your mind, choose what you're going to do. And if you don't choose to make up your mind, a decision will be made for you. So we're going to do another self-check here. Am I going to choose to make up my mind or will I default and believe my feelings? Will I believe other people's opinions or will I believe the lies of the enemy? It's that simple. Will you choose the false gods and the idols or will you choose to believe the one true living God. <sighs> okay, everybody take a breath. All right. So 
A made up mind is built on conviction and commitment. All right, moving along. A made up mind is built on faith and trust. Believers with a made up mind place their trust in God's guidance and his promises. And that's it. I don't even trust myself. My trust is in God. Because you know what I have demonstrated? That I probably got like a 50-50 chance of getting it right. But God has a 100% track record of his faithfulness and his trustworthiness to me. So a made-up mind requires us to trust God completely. Completely. Not when we want to. Not when it's convenient. Not when the word resonates with us. He wants us to trust God completely. So once again, we're going to go to scripture. Let's look at Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six. Trust the Lord completely. Don't depend on your own knowledge. I'm going to say that again. Trust the Lord completely. Do not depend on your own knowledge. Y'all, we don't know enough. With every step that you take, make up your mind that you're going to think about what he wants and he will help you to go the right way. You want to know how to go the right way? Trust God completely. Don't depend on your own knowledge with every step. Align your mind with what he wants and he'll help you to go the right way. So let's do another self-check. Do I trust God completely? Do I want to do things my way? Do I want to do things my way until it all falls apart and then I want God to come in and pick up the pieces? I think that's a more accurate assessment of what we do. Do I want God to be the, the, the be my God who is just clutch, who is like the extra man on the bench? And then when I get in foul trouble, I call him over to help me. Ask yourself, is that how you treat God or do you trust him completely? Do you take him at his word? Do you believe what the Bible says? You have to have faith and trust to have a made up mind. All right. Everybody breathing. <sighs> Breathe. All right. The third structure in a made up mind, the third component, a made up mind requires courage and boldness. It does. Because you have to have courage to stand even when there is opposition. Because there will be opposition. Okay, And believers are encouraged to be bold in their faith. You've got to have faith when things don't look like what God has said. So you've got to have courage and boldness. And let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It says that the Lord is the one who is marching before you. He is the one who will be with you. He won't let you down. He will not abandon you. So don't be afraid or scared. And y'all, when I read this translation, it brought something to my mind. I tell everybody I can't fight. Well, I don't know if I can't fight or not because I never really had to. But I just really believe that I cannot fight. Like, I believe that I can't. There have been times that I have been in situations 
when I was with my cousins who could fight. And let me tell you something, my level of courage and boldness was a lot different when I was in that situation with them than it would have been if I was by myself. I might be laughing a little louder when I'm with my cousins that can fight. I might talk a little noise when I'm with my cousins that can fight. If I'm by myself, I know how to get on over somewhere and sit down. I know that. This scripture tells us God does not let us down. He is marching right along beside me. How could I not be courageous? Because whatever I encounter, it ain't really got nothing to do with me because God is with me. It tells me he will not abandon me. It tells me that I ain't got to be scared. I don't have to. I can be fearless. I cannot be afraid. I don't have to be a scaredy cat. Okay. So whenever we're encountering adversity and opposition and we've made up our mind that we're not going through it alone. Yeah. We have courage and boldness. Okay. We have courage and boldness. God is never going to leave us out there on our own. Now, I don't know what kind of faulty theology we told ourselves that, oh, I don't mess up so much. God can't do that. He, that's malarkey. Okay. He doesn't leave us. Now we might, we leave him. He doesn't leave us. Okay. So last week, uh, Pastor Nietzsche talked about the three Hebrew boys who got thrown into the fiery furnace. And uh, this is like Daniel 317. And y'all, I started reading that and I was like, because when I read, I just read with this imagery. So imagine you go into the fiery furnace. Now, you know, it's hot because how many of y'all have ever washed your hands and you only turn on the hot water? Does that not sting? How many of you have ever been cooking like some spaghetti and you're trying to strain it and hot water like that hurts? Okay. So imagine going into a fiery furnace where, you know, is no escape and you just going to get burned up. You know that. These Hebrew boys had so much courage and so much boldness. Because I can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar's like, listen, go on and bow. Everybody bow. They didn't bow. So he probably seeing somebody and says, listen, tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go on and bow because I don't want no problems with them. Now, y'all know I'm, this is my interpretation. This is not the Bible. You read the Bible to see what it says. But this is how I'd imagine it could have gone. So he sends some people. He said, tell them boys gone on the bow because I really don't want to have to put them in this fire furnace. But if they keep playing with me, I will. And they say, uh-uh, we're not going to bow. And he was like, now I done tried to tell y'all. Then he gets irritated. You know what? Put them on in there. So I imagine they get to the fire furnace and, he, and the men are like, listen, guys, we're going to give you one more chance. If you go on and bow right now, we're going to go on and tell Nebuchadnezzar that you bowed and you'll be fine. And you know what those boys said? Young men said, they said, listen, sir. And in the scripture, they say things like, de depending which translation, they say things like, oh, king. So to me, they was like, respectfully, do what you got to do. But listen, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. And you know something that really stood out to me today? Because a lot of times we stop right there that God is able. And if he don't, no, they said God is able and he will. God is able 
And I know some translations say, but if he doesn't, but as I started reading through in the King James, they said, listen, he's able and he will. So we don't have to have a, oh, if he don't come through. No, he's able and he will. And he will. So do you understand what type of made up mind you got to have? Because think about what would you do if you was in front of the fiery furnace? I mean, listen, but they said, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. we have courage and boldness. Listen, God is able and he will. Now, I don't want us to miss this because I know we're talking about the power of made up mind. But what I want you to think about in your life, what are your fiery furnace situations in your life? Because I don't know about you, but I got some fiery furnace situations in my life. And what this is telling me is that I can make up my mind that I'm going to operate with courage and boldness. And I can say to that fiery furnace situation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I see what you are, but you know what? God is able and he will. And he will. What are your situations that you need God to come through for you? What are your situations that if he don't, it's going to be a whole complete hot, fiery mess? I didn't intend to make that pun, but okay, it can be a pun. What is it? What is it that you cannot do in your own natural abilities? You need to speak to that situation and be like, mm -hmm, God is able and make it personal. My God is able and he will. And he will. God is able to resolve the situation. So that's what we have to do to our fire front situations. Make up our mind that we're going to say, you know what? God is able to resolve and you fill in the blank. He's able to resolve it and he will resolve fill in the blank because his word says and fill in the blank. See, that's why you got to know the word. That's why we be talking to y'all about honoring the commitments and, you know, uh, reading your Bible and getting in your word. Because when you know the word, you have that confidence and boldness. He is able and he will. All right, let's move on. The next part of the structure of, um, a made up mind is endurance and perseverance. Let me tell y'all something. These days, child, we just be wanting to give up real quick. Like, I'm tired of this. Forget this. Uh, but you got to have some endurance and some perseverance. In the words of Pastor Edwin, you got to have some stick to about yourself when you're making up your mind. So believers are called to endure trials. We are not called to be taken out by the trials. We're called to endure trials. That's what we're called to do, to endure and to persevere. And in uh, the scripture we're going to look at is James chapter one. And I want you to read like chapter uh, verses two through four, but I want you to focus on this one. True patience is brought on by endurance and that will equip the long journey and cross the finish line. That's why you got to make up your mind because when you make up your mind and you have that endurance and that perseverance, doesn't matter what you go through because you're going to go through it. 
patience is going to have its little perfect work in you. And then because it's brought on by endurance because you stayed the course. And when you do that, that equips you to cross the finish line. All right, let's move right along to the last structure that we're going to talk about. And that is consistent renewal. Now, I don't know why we had this thing that you get it once and that's you want it done. Your mind has to be constantly renewed, constantly renewed. Did I say constantly renewed? Constantly renewed. <laughs> Romans 12 and 2 tells us that we don't have to conform to this world, that we can be transformed um, by the renewing of our minds, that we don't have to be like the people of the world, that we can change the way that we think. We can change our minds. And when we do that, we'll always be able to determine what God really wants. That's why we change our mind. We're not making our mind up so that people can manipulate us. We're not making up our minds so people can tell us what to do. We are making up our minds because when we do that and decide that we're going to exalt God's truth, we'll always know and be able to determine what God really wants. We'll know what is good. We will know what is pleasing and we will know what is perfect. We will. You've got to regularly renew your mind. You renew your mind through prayer. You renew your mind through uh, meditating on the word. You renew your mind through studying scripture. You renew your mind by coming to church and listening uh, to the sermons. You renew your mind through praise and worship. It takes all of those things, but we need to renew our mind. So all of these things are part of the structure of a made-up mind. So I hope that that provided a, a good foundation so you can see where we're going with this anatomy of a made-up mind. All right, so everybody put one thing you got from that in the comments. What's one thing that you're going to take from this that you can use practically in your life? And you can just put that in the comments. Just one thing from anything we've said so far. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is the inner workings of a made up mind. Now, the inner workings are those things that are in, in, internal. They may not be seen externally. Sometimes we don't even make the connection that what's going on inside is causing that thing that's outside. So. I'm going to talk about three of these because I told you I had 10 pages of notes. We're not going to go through all, all of them. So the inner workings of the made up mind, a made up mind affects our focus and our attention. A made up mind influences what we pay attention to. So if you made up your mind that God's word is true, you see God, you see his goodness. If you have made up your mind that God don't care that about you, everywhere you see gloom, doom and destruction. OK, so a made up mind shapes our focus and our reality. OK, so focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on, on God, that helps me not to focus 
on what I see. It helps me not to focus on stuff that people say. It helps me not to focus on the news reports. It helps me to focus only on what God has said. Now, think about it. Every single time that we get a guiding word, every single time that we get a prophetic word, what do you notice? We talk about it. We pray about it. We worship about it. All of that stuff. Why? Because we're trying to help the people make up their mind. That what the prophetic word says and what the guiding word says is true and there are no more options. What does that look like? It looks like when the guiding word, when we got the guiding word and it said, listen, don't be afraid of the announcement that's going to come in the next six months. So, you know, if God is telling us, don't be afraid of the announcements, there are going to be some announcements. I mean, we know that. So we go ahead and make up our mind. Listen, what God has said is true. I'm not afraid of anything they could say. So when something happens that should shake me to the core, that should instill fear and doubt, my mind is like, nah, sis, we ain't scared. We are not afraid. When God says that he's holding us in his hand and he's going to take care of us, all the stuff that's going on in the world, I've made up my mind that God is holding me in his hand and he's going to take care of me. So you know what I don't really care about? What they're talking about with the BRICS alliance. That yes, while that may be detrimental, while yes, it may make a whole bunch of changes with, you know, money and currency and all this stuff. But God said that he's going to take care of me. Now, I don't mean that you ignore things to, to make preparation. I'm not saying to be foolish, but I'm saying is I'm not going to be sitting up here not able to sleep like, oh, my goodness, is my 401k going to be intact? Oh, my goodness, is this going to happen? No, because God has already said he's holding me in his hand and that he is going to take care of me. Okay. Because some of those things could really have you in the corner rocking back and forth. But a made up mind will say, uh-uh, no, nah, that ain't for you. No, nope. now God, now I don't know what he, what those other people said, but God told the partners of Fellowship of Champions, he's holding us in his hand and he's going to take care of us. And a made up mind means that you always fall back on what God said. Because my made up mind is a filter that protects my focus and my attention. In Colossians 3 and 2, in the Living Bible, it says we need to let heaven fill our thoughts. I don't let the news fill my thoughts. I don't let people's opinion fill my thoughts. Heaven fills my thoughts. What God has said fills my thoughts. And it goes on to say, do not spend time about worrying about things down here. Here, meaning here on earth. Don't spend your time worrying about that. Let heaven fill your thoughts thoughts. All right. The next inner working we're going to talk about is a made up mind affects your expectations. A made up mind significantly affects your expectations. Why? Because it shapes how you anticipate outcomes and experiences. I don't know about y'all, but I always feel like God is going to be good to me. I always feel like somebody want to be good to me, even if it's a situation where 
I'm people are like, girl, don't nobody ever do that. That has never happened. I'm like, okay, maybe it has never happened for you. But I walk around with this expectation because I have made up my mind that God wants to be good to me. That I am his favorite Chandra Washington. I'm his favorite one. And he wants to be good to me. So when I think about future events, yeah, my mind is made up that the future events are going to be good. Okay. I'm going to always get the favorable outcome. Always. And the made up mind also helps us to filter out bias about our expectations. What is bias? Stuff that has happened in the past. What is bias? Stuff that you've seen happen in other people's lives and you don't even realize their lives are just raggedy anyway. They're not even walking with the Lord and you're trying to compare your life with theirs and you over here with the Lord. A made up mind infuses my expectations. A made up mind gives me hope about what's going to happen. A made up mind cultivates a sense of resilience in my outlook that, okay, it's going to be okay. We see the difficulty, but our mind is made up that we're blessed, that we're ready, and that we win. So the last, yes, the last inner working that I'm going to talk about is a made up mind affects our physical preparedness. Now, I don't really have no scripture for this, but let me tell y'all, child, I got a whole bunch of stories. I think I'm only going to tell y'all maybe one or two about this. A made up mind really does have a significant impact on your physical preparedness. We got coaches in here who will tell you that. That when they're coaching somebody and the person makes up their mind that they're going to do something, they do it. As long as they're doing negative self-talk and saying, I can't do that, they don't. And there is scientific proof that a made-up mind influences your body's responses. It influences your energy levels. And it influences your overall readiness to engage in a particular uh, thing. It triggers a physiological response that prepares your body to line up with what you're committed to, to what you've made up your mind about. Now, disclaimer, I don't like physical activity. I do not. Like you never going to ever get me to say that I like physical activity because I don't. But every time I've been successful in physical activity, it is because I made up my mind. I used to run. That's when I was in the best shape of my life. And at first, when I started, child, I was out there playing and half-stepping, okay? Because, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I had a run coach. He'd tell me to do something. Excuse me. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, thank you. And he was like, no, Chandra, we're going to do some fart licks. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that today. Uh, I, I'm going to walk. Chandra, we're going to do three miles. Mm -mm. Nope, I'm going to do one. But when I made but then... I saw my little friends who started running when I did. And I was like, wait, 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 hold up. Now they running. They half marathoning. So I made up my mind I was going to be a runner. So you know what? Every morning I would get up and go on that run. Didn't matter if it was raining. Only time I didn't run is if it was thundering. Because if thunder is coming, there's lightning. If it was raining, if it was cold, if it was hot, if it was dark, if nobody went with me, I would get up and I would do it because I made up my mind that I was a runner. 
I made up my mind that I, I'm a runner. This summer, I took swim lessons. I've been trying to learn the swim for my whole life. And in my mind, because I remember people getting thrown into the pond in the creek, you know, from the country. And if you're from the country, y'all stop doing that stuff because it's traumatizing. Quit throwing people out in the pond, telling them to swim. So I was traumatized by that. So in my mind, I was never going to be able to learn how to swim. I had this irrational fear that I was going to die. I was going to get in that water and I was going to die. Now, it didn't matter if it was three feet water. It didn't matter if it was four. Like, I just had, listen, if I get in the water, I'm going to die. But you know what? I made the decision that, girl, you're going to get over this irrational fear of water. You're going to get over this. So I signed up for, for swim lessons. Now, the first day I got in there, y'all, my heart was beating so fast. And I, li I listen, I almost was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do it. But I got in there and I kept going back. And even when people were progressing faster than I was, that listen, my goal was to get over my irrational fear of the water because I made my mind that I can learn how to swim. And literally through that whole process, once I made up my mind, you know what didn't matter? It didn't matter how I thought I looked in a bathing suit. It did not matter that I had to wash my hair every day I went swimming. It didn't matter that it was hot. It didn't matter that I got a significant suntan when I wasn't trying to. It did not matter because I had made up my mind that I was going to learn this skill, that I was going to do something different. And every day when we talk about the renewing, of, I had to renew my mind every day. So the one day I'm like, OK, today my goal is to get on the kickboard and go across the pool, but he going to have to hold it. And I did that. And then the next time I played around a little bit, he was like, you want to do it? I was like, no, 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 hold it. But he wasn't holding it anyway. So I was already doing it. He's like, I wasn't even holding it. I was like, I know. Then at the end, I said, you know what I can do? I can float in this water without holding on to this wall or to a kick to, to a kickboard. I can do that. And I'm not going to drown because it's four feet water. All I got to do is stand up. I made up my mind that I was going to do that. Now, it took my mind a little while to catch up, but I did. So when a made up mind does affect our physical preparedness. So we need to stop this about what we can't do. I can't exercise. Girl, ain't no way I couldn't uh, go without eating no meat. Oh, I can't, ain't no way I'm going to give up no cheese. Ain't no way I can say, no, you got to make up your mind because when you make up your mind, your body is going to rise to the occasion. All right. So now, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to finish this. So now we're going to talk about the intricacies, the complexities of having a made up mind. What you can expect when you decide to make up your mind or when you're trying to maintain your made up mind. First of all, we have to understand the enemy will do anything to keep you from having a made up mind. Anything. He don't care. The enemy has no respectability politics about himself. He will do anything. He will stoop to the lowest of lows. He don't care. Anything. So one of the intricacies, one of the complexities, one of the things that you can expect is some type of spiritual warfare. You can expect it. Why? Because the only real tool that the enemy has 
is deception to affect you making up your mind. That's the only real tool. The enemy, and if you ever heard me teach about deliverance, you've heard me say, he cannot come pop you upside the head. The enemy cannot trip you. He can't come tackle you. He can't beat you up. The enemy cannot make you do anything. But what he can do is influence you to do things that are not aligned with God. He can influence you to not believe that God is who he is. He can influence you to believe that, okay, God is who he is, but he's going to do stuff for everybody else, but not for you because you way too ratchet. That, that's his M.O. That is what he does. And this deception starts in our mind. And that is why you've got to have a made up mind, because when you have a made up mind and you have exalted God's truth, when the enemy tells you something, you know, it's a lie. You know that it's a lie. Like, seriously, the enemy has no dominion in heaven because, duh, like God's kingdom is heaven. He has no dominion on earth because in Genesis 1, 26, God gave mankind dominion over the earth. Like he has all he can do is practice deception and keep us from making up our mind to align with God's truth. That's it. That's the only place he ever tries to build his little old kingdom is in the minds of the people who do not have a made up mind. That's why we're we're asking these self-check questions because if you don't have a made up mind child trust if he has not already built a kingdom there he's trying to and even if you have a made up mind he's still trying he's trying so one of the ways that this has been explained um is that when we allow the enemy to start messing with us in our uh state of a made up mind we're actually allowing him to lease space in our mind. And when you allow him to lease space, he starts building strongholds. He starts build, building real estate in your mind. So let me go ahead and define stronghold for you. Now, I really wish I could say that I came up with this definition, but I did not. I didn't. A stronghold or strongholds are the places where perspectives and beliefs are strongly defended. A stronghold is a mentality that is used to manifest unseen assignments into reality. That's what a stronghold is. It's the places where perspectives and beliefs are strongly defended. It is a mentality that is used to manifest unseen assignments into reality. So if you're going to have a stronghold, you know the type of stronghold you want to have? A made up mind. Because a stronghold can be, there are positive strongholds. So if I make up my mind, what am I doing? I'm defending my perspective. I'm defending my belief, okay? Nobody can talk me out of what God has said. Nothing can make me not believe what God has said. And when I have a made up mind, what happens? 
I see the manifestation of the unseen assignments, my divine destiny, that becomes my reality. And I know a lot of times we talk about strongholds, we talk about them from a negative perspective, but a stronghold is a place that's strongly defended. So if you got to have a stronghold, you want to have the stronghold of a made up mind. That's the that's the only permissible stronghold. OK, now let me clear up something because I use the word manifestation. Now, I want you all to know. So y'all do not have to be messaging the pastors. I'm not talking about this new age manifesting all this other stuff. I'm talking about biblical manifestation, which is a clear appearance of something. Right. Or to make something evident. For example, Jesus was God made manifest in human form. Jesus was a clear representation, a clear appearance of God in human form. So I just want to clear that up because I just don't want any problems and for y'all to be saying I was on here talking about stuff that I wasn't talking about. All right. If you don't have a made up mind, you will see the manifestation of the demonic destiny for your life. That's the stronghold you don't want. And that type of stronghold only brings bondage and it only brings contempt. That's it. Those types of strongholds are the places where those misconceptions about who God is reside. Those are the places where the thoughts that God doesn't love you or won't come through for you. Yeah, that's where they live. Those are the places where there are warped philosophies. Those are the places that have barriers erected to God's truth. Those are the places where the arguments and the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God live. So if you've been around here any length of time, if you've ever heard Pastor Sean talk, you have heard them, heard talk about the thing of feeling cycle. You've heard Pastor Edwin talk, you've heard all of us talk about it. That is why we talk about the thinking feeling cycle so much. Because when your thoughts become patterns and then those thought patterns become strongholds. So, yeah, we, we don't want those types of strongholds. The only stronghold you want is a made up mind. And that made up mind using the definition that we provided is where you exalt God's truth above all your everyday circumstances. All right. So a moment ago, I alluded to Second Corinthians 10 and 5. We've got to be aggressive about dismantling strongholds. This is not, when you're trying to make up your mind, that's not the time to be passive. It's not the time to be nice. It is not, it's not the time to be docile. You've got to pull down negative strongholds because that's serious. We tear them down. We tear them down. We pull them down. That language is so aggressive. It does not say, oh, you know, we want them to come down. It's like, no, you demolish like demolish is some strong language. Tearing something down is strong language. Okay. So in order to have the made up mind, you've got to pull down those strongholds. You've got to. And the solution is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 5 through 6. And I'm going to go through three things that it covers there. This tells us that the weapons that we fight with, they're not man-made weapons. These are not like a knife or a little pew pew or nothing like, like you can't go. The weapons that we need to fight for here, you can't go get that. But our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Why? Because they're infused with God's power. So let's take a look at these weapons. First of all, we have to demolish arguments. 
if you think of a stronghold as a structure, when we demolish arguments, we're destroying the walls. Okay? We're destroying the walls. So how do we destroy the walls? We challenge any false beliefs. So if you hear something, if the enemy tries to tell you something, or even if someone else tries to tell you something that you know isn't true and that isn't aligned with the Lord, you challenge the false beliefs. You challenge the misconceptions. You challenge anything that opposes the truth of God. If you have any arrogant attitudes that defy God, mm -hmm, you destroy those things too. And you have to acknowledge that God's word is supreme, that God's word is wiser than any philosopher, than any theologian, than any scholar, than any teachings, that it's God's word. And if there is ever anything that contradicts it, I'm always going to side with God's word. So demolishing the arguments, that's like tearing down the outside of the structure. You, you bring it down the walls. Okay. The second thing that we do is we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So once again, if you think about a stronghold as a structure, you think about a stronghold as a fortress. So when you get the stuff on the outside, now you got to move into the inside. So what are we doing on the inside? We are rooting out all the remaining resistance. We over here looking in the corners like what's hiding? What tried to run down to the basement? What is, what is over here hiding behind these walls? These are the things that are inside of us that we don't easily or readily see. Okay? If you want to have permanent victory over a stronghold, it is totally necessary. Because if you tear down the walls, but you leave down what's in the walls, all they're going to do is erect more walls. Okay, and you'll find yourself with another fortress. We have to be intentional about our thought processes. That's why we're talking about this. We can't entertain every thought. And like I said at the beginning, we can't afford to be passive about this. So we align our thinking with the principles and the values of Jesus. That's it. That's it. And we allow his teachings to guide our perspectives our decisions and our attitudes. And let me tell you, it takes a made up mind and, and a level of maturity to do that. As someone who was very opinionated about a whole, like child, if it happened, I had an opinion about it. And now I'm like, Lord, what, what do we think about this? What do we think about this? Because I don't want to have an opinion that you don't share. What, what, what do we think about it? And if he says, you don't need to say anything, I don't. People have people ask me a lot, what do you think about what such that nothing? I don't have an opinion. I don't. If I'm not clear on what our and our meaning, me and God's opinion is about it, child, I don't have one. It don't matter to me. Okay? So we demolish the arguments, we tear down the walls, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We go inside and in all the hidden places, get all the residue and all the remaining resistance. And then this last thing, y'all, oh my goodness. As many times as I have read this scripture, I don't know why. I'm like, was I just reading fast or whatever? But the last thing that we do is we punish any trace of rebellion. 
I don't remember which translation that's from, but we punish any trace of rebellion. I think in the King James Version, it uses words like obedience and all, but mm -mm, we punish. Yes, as soon as you choose obedience, we stand ready to punish every act of disobedience. And so that's kind of nice. But when I read that translation that says we punish any trace of rebellion, child, that hit different. Now, what this does not mean that when the saints see another saint in rebellion and you need to be over here trying to whoop people, talking about I'm going to punish you. That is not what we're talking about. But it means that we face up to the fact that we are in rebellion. That we face up to the fact that we have disobeyed. And once we face up to that fact, now we bring the light of God's truth into this situation. And when I have God's truth in the situation, now I can confess because I see my disobedience. I can ask for forgiveness because I see where I was wrong. And I repent and say, God, you know what? I, listen, I ain't doing that anymore. I'm turning away from that. Okay. So this is why it matters who you surround yourself with. Because the people that I'm in covenant with have the right to punish any trace of rebellion that they see in my lives, in my life. If I'm doing wrong, I want you to say, Chandra, uh-uh, no, no, no. I want you to. You have the right to do that. When we're in covenant, you have the right to do that. That's why it matters who your friends are. That's why it matters where you go to church. That's why all of those things matter. Okay. It's our responsibility to say, sis, that, that's out of order. Because, because, and we're doing this because you have decided that you want to be obedient. Now, people who don't want to be obedient, we're not, this, this is not for them. But if I have decided that I want to be obedient, I have, I'm sitting around here saying, oh, I got a made up mind. I'm following with the Lord, no turning back. And you see me in rebellion. You have the right to repunish any trace to punish any trace of rebellion that you see in my life. Okay, now, once again, does not mean to be out here talking crazy to folks. This is for those people who have the made up minds. Okay, it does not mean that you're out here making prayer points out of people's rebellion. So we're not gonna be on the intercessory team saying, "Lord, we just ask you to bless Chandra." You know she over here just a rebellious child. Yeah, no, uh, -uh that's not what we're doing. Okay, but it does mean that we handle people the way that the Bible says that we should, because this helps us to not go to the junk pile and start picking up bricks to start building up our strongholds again. Because if I operate in rebellion, that's what I'm doing. Do y'all know what a junk pile is like in the country? They don't have sometimes like trash service or whatever. And so when you have trash, it's like a junk pile in the yard and then periodically they'll burn it. And so that's like, if, if, if I allow rebellion, when I've said that I want to be obedient, that's what I'm doing, going out there, getting the walls that I tore down and putting them back up. Oh, that sounded real country. Okay. But that's what I'm doing. So uh, it's 903 and I'm going to end it here. But if I could sum all this stuff up about tearing down these strongholds, you tear them down with faith. You tear them down with prayer. You tear them down with obedience and you tear them down with the word of God. Okay. 
So I hope tonight that everyone makes a quality decision that you want to have a made up mind. Um, so we told you what that looks like, what, what you need to have. We explained the inner workings, why it's important for you to have a made up mind. And then we even told you how to go on and tear those strongholds down. So um, I pray that you got something out of this. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight for Refreshed Bible Study. We will see you on Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. for Champion Circle Prayer. Then we will see you on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for Praise and Worship with Kristen Valley Worships. Then we'll see you at 9.30 a.m. for our Sunday celebration. And then um, I don't know about Monday because I think Monday's a holiday. But see, that's why you need to sign up for the text. And then you sign up for the text and we'll let you know. So bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Love you all. And make up your mind. Make up your mind. All right. <laughs>